the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't fail to miss it. That was one of my dad's favorite expressions when uh, he was referring to events that he had zero interest in and thought were ridiculous. And that's exactly the way I felt about impeachment. In case you missed it, final score, 232 to 197. Uh, I actually watched it for about 15 seconds. I turned it on and I saw Adam Schiff wearing a mask and babbling. I've seen that before. And when she speaks, I go to the mute button. It doesn't matter what any of them say. This impeachment is about revenge and trying to get one last shot in before Donald Trump is gone. It'll prove nothing and it'll accomplish nothing. He's not going to be convicted in the Senate, uh, by the Senate. It's just one more long day of all the networks giving time to the idiots in Washington who are running the country. And I'm talking about idiots in both parties. Um, if they really wanted to do the American people a favor, instead of focusing on getting rid of Donald Trump, they would be focusing on getting rid of themselves. Uh, well, what more do you need to see from those people down there on both sides to know that we need a house cleaning there? They should be getting rid of themselves. And, and, and the way, way, way too many of them have been there way, way too long. There's no better example of that, of course, than um, Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. The next great movement by conservatives should be term limits. I mean, seriously, somebody's got to pick that up and run with it and really push it hard. And wouldn't it be great if somehow, some way, and this is never going to happen, but it's, it's a dream, I know, but the 535 members of the House and Senate, what if they could agree on a date when every person who has been there for more than two terms would resign, get out of town, and let a few hundred new people have a shot? Seriously. Would the country really fall apart if 90% of the people in federal government in Washington just disappeared, starting with Nancy and Mitch? I mean, really. If, if Nancy, McC uh, Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell woke up tomorrow morning and said, we quit, would your life change? Would the country fall apart? How great would it be to never have to look at either of those two people again as long as you live? And here's the best part about impeachment. It's supposed to be all about the, the crime of inciting riots. Well, here's what Nancy Pelosi said when they toppled the statue of Christopher Columbus in her hometown in Baltimore last summer. Here's a quote. People will do what they do. Imagine if Donald Trump had said that the other day. The statue shouldn't be there. She said that also. And then she followed up with this brilliance. Quote, if the community doesn't want the statue, the statue shouldn't be there. That's it. That's all that matters. Whatever the rabble wants, the rabble gets, as long as I agree with their cause, of course. Here's what Jesse Jackson said about the George Floyd riots. This was after the George Floyd riots. The demonstrations are necessary. The rioting, understandable, but regrettable. Already the damage to property, the exchanges with the police, becomes the subject, not the agenda that is necessary to focus on the outbreaks of rage that are inevitable. Yep, rioting uh, was all the rage during the summer. And if you don't remember, there was rioting after Donald Trump was elected in 2016. Here's the quote from USA Today a few days after the win over Clinton. For the third night in a row, anti-Donald Trump demonstrators took to the streets in several big cities and on college campuses across the United States, including an outburst of smashed windows and a dumpster fire in Portland that police countered with pepper spray and flashbang devices. So let the Democrats impeach away. And again, in case you missed it, the final score, 232 to 197. They still have a week to go. Here's hoping they try for number three. I would like to see them start tomorrow and, and impeach him again. Uh, they've still got some time. Donald Trump should wear being impeached twice by these people as a badge of honor. He should, seriously. When we come back, we're going to take a look at how idiotic the charges against Trump really were in the first place. Stick around.
Your business is ready for a reboot, a recharge. The way our companies operate has changed. Adapting to the changes hasn't been easy, but never more important to succeed. Many of the digital resources available have helped overcome obstacles your business is facing. But are you using the full potential of every one of them? That's where Salem Surround can help. Your business needs to use digital tools more than ever to stay in touch with customers who are making buying decisions for the new year. Will they consider or even know about you? The marketing team at Salem Surround gives you the tools needed to stand out and be visible to current and potential customers online right now looking for what you do. We'll design a plan that targets and surrounds customers with proven marketing strategies. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your marketing plan and see how we can help place your advertising message in front of today's consumers. Learn more at surroundpittsburgh.com. SurroundPittsburgh.com Connecting you with new customers. Parents, let's be honest. Many high school and college age kids seem to have little direction these days. That might be true for your son or daughter. They spend a lot of time gaming, hanging with friends, but nothing seems to lead them on a path to adulthood. You may want them to go to a four-year university, but nah, their grades just don't warrant it. Their lack of passion and direction makes you wonder if a four-year university would even be a wise investment. Here's a better route to consider. The Full Stack software development program from Steve Wozniak, available through SalemCareerHub.com. They'll learn real-life work skills that are marketable and in high demand right now. And at SalemCareerHub.com, you can sign up for these courses at 50% off their regular price. Talk it over with your kids and get them out of the basement. They're probably as anxious as you are to move forward and just need a little push. The place to start? SalemCareerHub.com. You can also call 866-711-6275. 866-711-6275 or SalemCareerHub.com. Wow. I think we can all agree that a lot went wrong in 2020. But you can start 2021 off right with a resolution to help protect your identity and personal info using LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. The sad truth is one in five people have been a victim of identity theft. But LifeLock alerts you to potential threats to your identity. And they see more than you can when you just monitor your credit, like your info for sale on the dark web. And if there's a problem, LifeLock's U.S.-based restoration specialists know the steps to take to help resolve your case. Of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock is the New Year's resolution that helps you protect what you've worked so hard for. Get 25% off your first year with promo code SMART at LifeLock.com. That's promo code SMART for up to 25% off at LifeLock.com. If you're thinking of replacing your carpets due to pet stains and odors, you must try Genesis 950. The reviews are amazing as this is one product that actually works. With water, it breaks down the bonds of stains and odors so they're gone for good. Its antibacterial component removes pet odors from carpet and padding. It can be used in a carpet cleaning machine and it's green, so it's safe for your family and pets. Genesis 950 is made in America. If you are tired of pet cleaners that don't work, it's time to buy Genesis 950. One gallon of industrial strength Genesis 950 makes up to seven gallons of cleaner. But Genesis 950 is not just for pet stains. It's great for bathrooms, kitchens, floors, upholstery, and grease stains. Consider Genesis 950 before purchasing new carpets. Genesis 950 has great customer service. Order one gallon direct at Genesis950.com to receive a free spray bottle, free shipping, and a $10 coupon using code PETS. Genesis950.com. That's Genesis950.com. Discount only available at Genesis950.com. Genesis 950, much cheaper than replacing your carpets. Warning, listening to this program may expose you to toxic masculinity. The John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. So the Democrats impeached Donald Trump again, and as I said before the break, being impeached twice by these people is a badge of honor. I sure uh, sure would wear it as one. But what about the case against him? Victoria Taft of PJ Media wrote about that today, and she joins us now. Always good to have you here, uh, Victoria. Thanks for coming back. Always great to be in. Uh, always great to be in Stinger World, Tiger <laughs> World, Stinger World. I'm just in yeah. your world, your little corner yes. of the world. That's my world. Yes. The the, the headline says, um, "Did you notice the January 6th crowd cheered when Trump touted harsher penalties for monument trashers?" Can you refresh our memory on that? Sure. During his speech, the president uh, talked about a lot of different things. 
never rioting and never going over and giving the uh, Congress hell. He just basically kept it uh, Donald Trumpian. And one of the things uh-huh. he said was, again, talking about what he did for America as president of the United States, was his premium that he put on law and order. And during his remarks, he mentioned that the crowd extended all the way down to the Washington Monument. And then he did as an aside, as he often goes off prompter, and talked about the fact that he would never take the name of Washington off the Washington Monument, nor would he remove Jefferson's from the Jefferson Memorial, nor Lincoln's from the Lincoln Lincoln Memorial. And so... Mm -hmm. Um, he then went on and he said, we did something about that. We went last summer and I made a new law. He basically did an, an executive order, uh, increasing the penalties on people who vandalized and destroyed and uh, diminished and, you know, physically any national monuments. And he said, you're not going to believe this, but all that stuff that we were seeing all last summer suddenly stopped the attacks on the federal courthouse in Portland and the attacks on the monuments in Washington, etc. And so he, and everybody cheered at this rally. It was mm-hmm. cheers for this part of the speech because these are the people who are the law and order crowd. And I was, I'm going to do a piece tomorrow for PJ with respect to the timeline of this uh, rally and riot, because that's what it was. It was riot. It was not an insurrection. It was riot. And Mm -hmm. so um, I plan to double check and make sure that this piece of information is is right. But for my my podcast, the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Depp, I just talked to Robert Barnes, who has gone over the timeline. He's he's an attorney, a constitutional attorney. And he says that the rioting, the the president was still speaking when the incursion began. So I find that interesting, obviously. Timelines are everything. I will be fleshing that out for Mm -hmm. uh, column tomorrow at PJ Media. If the president was still speaking, and he spoke for about an hour and 15 minutes, as I mentioned in another piece I did for PJ Media, uh, then how is it that they've blamed him for the riot if he was still speaking? And if his words did not rise to the level of incitement, I know people were just shocked, the conscience, of course, that this ridiculous abomination of a riot occurred on Capitol Hill at the Capitol building. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of questions about it. I just wonder how much they can pin on President Trump, Trump if he didn't tell people to go do it. Yeah, uh, and if he's tried in the Senate, which is unlikely, where's the evidence to convict? Has anybody presented any real evidence? I didn't listen. I I, I said at the beginning of my no. show, I didn't watch that stuff today for 15 seconds. I, I actually did watch it for 15 seconds. I turned it on. I saw uh, Adam Schiff talking through his mask, and any time she speaks, I hit the mute button. So that... That, that I got I got out of there, and that's that's all I I, I knew I was not going to see anything new, and I know I know I didn't miss anything, I missed nothing. I right? you know I I wasn't able to watch it either. I was in meetings and I was doing an interview yeah. for my podcast, and then I'm talking to you, so I've seen nothing. But I also know that they don't have any proof, but they don't require proof. This is a purely political move on the part of the Democrats to Revenge. pick Trump yep. as he's going out the door. And, you know, I don't know about you. I, I imagine that we're sort of on the same page about this. But I think that if you are going to do that and try to drop kick the guy out of the public square as he's going out of the public square anyway, you're going to do nothing but upset 75 million people who voted for the guy. I mean, yep. it's just absurd. Why would you do that to curry favor with anyone? Why would you... I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. They're doing it because it's convenient right now. They've got the they've got the media clearly, as as usual, on their side, and so there is so much smoke. There is no room for people to step back and look at the facts of this thing, which is why I'm doing the timeline tomorrow. I wrote that piece today that we were talking about about how the people were cheering for increased penalties on people who do anything against monuments, i.e. The Capitol building is itself a monument filled with monuments. So, <laughs> yeah. but it turns out that probably when he was saying that, and I'm going to double check this, they were already up there, you know, defacing the Capitol building. So, I don't know. Yeah, um, 
you wrote a piece earlier that included lots of things that he said that were the exact opposite of uh, inciting to riot. And the media right. don't seem to be all that interested in uh, reporting those. No, they don't. And they're, you know, they've got the narrative on their side. The heat is in the in the pot. Uh, they're going to go and hope that the steam from that pot just carries them through the end of Donald Trump's era. And and so I think that they don't want to stop and reflect, and that would require thinking. And they don't want to think right now. They've got the everything on their side. The momentum is with them, and they want to completely destroy his reputation, legacy, etc., as he goes out the door. Now, mind you, uh, I, I don't think walking up to the Capitol was such a hot idea. Uh, it was his understanding that they would just stand around and cheer and, and sing and, and let everybody know inside that there were so many of them that they could hear them from the outside. But uh, rioting, going in, um, buttonholing, cajoling, and uh, scaring the hell out of them? No, that wasn't, I don't think, part of the plan. I think that was the crazy QAnon people's plan, but I don't think that was President Trump's plan. And And there's a lot of question about... Who knew what, when, why the FBI didn't call out for more uh, folks to um, help the D.C. police. And, if the DC, and, of course, Muriel Bowser, the D.C. mayor, said, oh, we don't want a big national guard here. What, what? So right. I mean, there's so many questions, John. I mean, good grief. Well, I haven't seen, uh, I don't think I have seen anybody come up with a good explanation for the video of cops opening doors and waving people in i mean um that came later as i understand it that came later people were rushing um you know for this is this was after the riots started people were being allowed in you i mean and 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 they were doing that at multiple doors so clearly the dc police didn't i don't know how many entrances and exits there are to the the capitol complex uh there are many uh and some of them were being uh, uh, watched over by the cops and nobody was getting in and others were being given a big old lay. Come on in. So I, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it, you have to wonder what the DC cops knew. I mean, it's yeah, really I'm, serious. I'm still, stupid. and I'm still, um, I, I know a lot of, a lot of the, uh, the questions about how much Antifa was involved have been dismissed by most of the media. Oh, and Antifa, an Antifa guy was there at least one. I, I'm, I've heard there, I quote unquote heard, but I haven't proven nor have I seen evidence of more. I imagine there probably is some evidence out there. I think there were probably some uh, bad actors who infiltrated the group and, and, and cajoled people into doing stuff. There was a guy who admitted he was a he was a, a BLM Antifa guy. He has uh, been disavowed by the groups because he was such a uh, hot dog they didn't like it. they don't like it when people get in front and show themselves off and no. they would rather be you know you know be all black locked out and so here's it by the way a kid who's black um who who was there and was encouraging mm-hmm. people to go in and storm the storm the capital and and uh, he was according to himself right next door if you know standing near um ashley babbitt who was shot by the Capitol Police and killed. And, uh, you know, he might just be a fabulist. Um, we've looked in the background of his, his activist career. He's quite prolific in Utah. Um, but he could have been, I mean, he says he was close to Ashley Babbitt. Well, what the hell was he doing there? Right. I mean, why was he next to Ashley Babbitt? Was, was he, I mean, what was his involvement there? Some people said, you know, he was helping uh, stir stuff up. Mm-hmm. So. Well, um, you're stationed out there on the West Coast where we saw lots of riots. Um, right. Would it be hard to find examples of government officials out there who could be accused of encouraging them, inciting? Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, the mayor of Portland, the mayor of Seattle, you know, the great uh, Summer of Love thing, ceding literal territory to Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters. There are all kinds of examples of people doing that. L.A., city of L.A., letting people just go and loot in, in uh, Rodeo Drive uh, and other parts of L.A., West L.A. 
Um, you've got myriad examples of stuff like that happen. They are complicit because they let them go. Oh, well, we can't stop them. Well, you shouldn't have encouraged it. I mean, the, the mere fact that you you ally yourself with these people, a political entity, I mean, that is well known as disaffected with uh, the country and is a uh, terrorist group for all intents and purposes, uh, based on not my belief, not not just my surmise, but based on what they've done. And so, lining oh, they, you know, they they've never rioted. Are you kidding? Name me one riot. Uh, correction. Name me one Black Lives Matter, Antifa rally that didn't end up in people getting hurt. One. Just name me one. Right. Right. Well, um, David Graham of the Atlantic. I uh, he wrote. Um um, um, this is on uh, violence against, he says, violence is against businesses and police stations is wrong, but Black Lives Matter demonstrators were protesting about a real problem. So they've turned it into a subjective thing. There are good riots uh-huh. and bad riots. Riots that um, take place as a result of a cause that I agree with are good. And right. all the other riots are bad. It's, it's, it's stupid beyond belief that 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 people it's, somebody can write for, an, or, for an, uh, an outlet like the atlantic and say something that's stupid what you expected that something else out of the atlantic i mean occasionally they'll <laughs> yeah, but, write something that, that isn't crazy but <laughs> yeah. and then there's this guy named uh, todd perry uh i got this from a piece that was at the federalist today somebody uh went through and came up with a bunch of these examples he says, stop equating Black Lives Matter demonstrations to Trump's capital insurrection. The Black Lives Matter protests had no intention of being destructive, he says, citing a study that determined 93% of the demonstrations were peaceful. Uh, in other words, 7%, some 543, were not peaceful. But that's this is what this guy is out there writing. In two, uh, one and two billion uh, dollars in, in damages and some two dozen people killed. Uh, amid what yeah. uh, what this guy says was tranquility and peaceful protests, it's just it's amazing what uh, to watch it and see that how it's interpreted and see how how many people just nod their head and agree with it. I'm sure because they're too lazy to look it up themselves. Yeah, uh, and of course you have the the occasional little snippet of film or you know little recording of the reporter on CNN who's standing in front of open flames and screaming yep. people. Who says, well, you know, it seems to be mostly peaceful here. <laughs> what is this, South Park? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, people, and, and they do, and the thing is that CNN does stuff like that with a straight face. i got about a minute and a half left here. We're talking to uh, Victoria Taft of PJ Media. You can find her stuff. It's always good at pjmedia.com. Um, the media have uh, gone from calling conservatives white supremacists to now, and not the media, just the media, but the Democrats too, uh, calling uh, conservatives white supremacists to calling them domestic terrorists. Which is it? I mean, oh, it's, it's all so confusing, Victoria. It's always been on the cards, John. That one has always been the, uh, the subtext of all of these people. Haven't you ever noticed that they always talk about, well, you know, we really need to, the most dangerous people in the country aren't oh, the uh, right BLM line, yeah. and Antifa. It's it's the it's the crazy people on the right. Are there are some crazy people on the right? Let's just be honest. And there are some dangerous people on the right. But you know, I have to say, um, I haven't seen them except this group, uh, the subgroup of whatever supposed Trump supporters out there at last uh, last Wednesday. I haven't seen them actually do much. There was the Christian or the um, Gretchen Whitmer thing. Um, and uh, the the nuts who are involved in that, and okay, fair enough, not good, not a good look for people on the right. And how much have they raped, pilloried, uh, rioted, looted, and committed arson against? Well, none. Yep. Except yep. except that nut crazy stuff that happened last Wednesday a week ago today. Victoria, always good to have you here. I'm fresh out of time. Uh, Victoria Taft, PJ Media, pjmedia.com. Thank you. Thank you, John. Okay, and we will be right back.
With SRN News, I'm John Scott. The House is voting on the impeachment resolution against President Trump and now has the votes to carry through with the impeachment. Meanwhile, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell is rejecting a Democratic attempt to swiftly call the chamber into emergency session for an impeachment trial of President Trump. A growing number of restaurants nationwide are opening for indoor dining in defiance of strict COVID-19 regulations in their states, saying they are being targeted unfairly and are barely hanging on. In Oregon, a movement to defy an indoor dining ban began on January the 1st and is gaining steam despite warnings from state inspectors. Similar revolts in Michigan, Pennsylvania, Washington, and California. Stocks closing mixed on Wall Street. The Dow fell eight points. The Nasdaq gained 56, and the S&P was up eight. This is SRN News. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call Select Quote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10 year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm Select Quote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For a free quote, call 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at slugquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Dr. Sebastian Gorka believes the fight isn't over. Our president doesn't give up. The fight has only just begun. It comes down to one thing and one thing alone. Courage to stick to the requirements of our Constitution. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call Select Quote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. This is Jesse's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. As a nurse, not making it to work was not an option. But driving through the snow with my wiper blades struggling, I just didn't feel safe. So I pulled into O'Reilly Auto Parts, and before I knew it, an employee was offering to install the wiper blades on my car. I got to stay out of the snow for a moment, and I still made it to work on time. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. AM 1250 and FM 92.5, The Answer. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On 51 Sawmill Run, there's a transformer explosion at Edgebrook Avenue. Use some caution through there. Outbound 28 looking congested between the Highland Park Bridge and Delafield Avenue. Delays on both the Parkway East and the Parkway West. Now on the Parkway West, inbound looking heavy from Green Tree to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. About a six minute delay. Parkway East outbound about a five minute delay. Bates Street to the Squirrel Hill Tunnel. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250. The answer. Weather. 
Tonight, we'll see considerable clouds. Expect a low tonight of 33. Mostly cloudy skies on tap for tomorrow. Tomorrow's high, 43. Clouds breaking tomorrow night with a low of 33. Friday will be mostly cloudy. We'll see a little rain late in the morning. That'll be followed by a couple of snow showers in the afternoon. Friday will reach a high of 43. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Here's the tweet yesterday from Inez Stepman of the Independent Women's Forum. Quote, is there anything more depressing than the current state of American womanhood? And that's why I asked her to be on the show. Inez, thanks for coming on again. I always appreciate it. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me. So uh, we only have about 15 minutes. Um, so where would you like to start <laughs> on the current state of American womanhood? <laughs> me not being a woman, it's a, I, I want to start with letting you just go for a minute. Well, you know, the, the state of American manhood and American womanhood are obviously intertwined. I, I tend to hmm. think that, you know, men will clear whatever bar women set for them civilizationally, and we've, we've, we've set that bar very, very low, and that's ultimately on 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 the female sex uh, where we set that bar. But um, no, I think I was specifically referencing this actually was in response to. So I, I um, am signed up for this sort of fashion um, exchange program uh, mm-hmm. where I'm renting various fashion items, and of course, like this is a company that markets very, very heavily uh, to women. Um, oh. And and th- so I was just going through some of their marketing that is supposedly you know successful, right? This is a successful company, so there must be some kind of um, audience for the kind of marketing that they do. And it's it's all what I would term, for lack of a better word, um, sort of vaguely uh, spiritual girl bossism, right? So it's it's uh, you know there's a lot of astrology, a lot of sort of. Uh, meaningless pablum kind of you go girl type sentences. There's a lot of victimhood um, wrapped into their idea of what what makes women want to, for example, you know, rent a dress or or buy a blazer. Um, mm-hmm. And I just I just thought that entire uh, culture is is quite depressing um, and and dull. Uh, to be honest with you, it it it, it, it seems that um, with the evolution of feminism into what I would call radical feminism, even into the mainstream, it's kind of become, it's, it's met capitalism in the mainstream and become this like very commercialized, depressing, like morass of, uh, of, of yeah, like girl boss culture, right? A culture where uh, if women are not displaying psychological traits uh, that are primarily associated with men and masculinity, uh, that they're somehow broken or bad or wrong. And I, I just think generally it's quite a depressing situation. So when do you think it all went south? Um, well, I mean, I, I actually have a critique that goes to feminism, an academic critique that goes all the way back to, um, frankly, even some of the earliest feminists, and, and that is the, the idea that femininity is, is socially constructed more than its derivative of biology. Of course, there is a... Um, there is a social component of femininity, but I, I, I mean, my critiques go all the way back to the beginning of feminism, but in terms of, I think, when culturally we started to go off the rails in a more mainstream or substantive way, um, it was, was in, during the sexual revolution, so during the, the late 60s and 70s. Um, and I, I think you see the, the proof of that um, in, in the fact that some of the rosiness around the sexual revolution has been rejected by the entire political spectrum, right? So um, if you look, go back and read some of the, um, you know, sort of popular culture surrounding feminism and then some of the more academic work, uh, both are very, in the 1970s, the vast majority of, of feminism is very enthusiastic about the idea of, of women's sexual liberation, um, bringing a lot of, you know, uh, not only pleasure, obviously, but like a lot of happiness into the world of, you know, this is great. We're no longer going to be repressed. We're going to be free the way that men are. Um, and, and this is going to bring us a great deal of happiness and it's going to deliver us from some of the unhappiness that we ascribe uh, to the patriarchy. And, and what we've seen since then, I think, especially as we enter like my generation, the millennials, we're the first generation, I think, to grow up in a world where, that kind of um, radical sexual politics coming out of the sexual revolution um, were mainstream, right? It wasn't rebellious to, um, to to sleep around as a woman 
uh, growing up as a, a member of my generation, it was the default, right? It was the cultural default. It was no longer any kind of rebellion there um, and, and was sort of the, the, um, the, the pathway laid out for most young women of my generation was, you know, you spend your 20s um, building your career and sleeping around. And then when, by the time you get to your late 20s or to your mid 30s, you start looking for somebody to settle down with if that's what you want. Um, and then uh, so, so that life path has now become standard, I think. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think the one thing the left and the right can agree on is that the relations between the sexes are unhappy now. Right. Yeah. Um, now, the left agree thinks that it's because the patriarchy is still, uh, you know, alive and well and oppressing women uh, in, in America in 2021. I think that's a ludicrous explanation. But nevertheless, um, you know, I think both the left and the right are grappling with an enormous amount of unhappiness, of, of um, mental insecurity, of even, you know, what we term today mental illness, or because we give sort of therapeutic explanations for this, or instead of, of looking to decision-making or, or um, culture or family for some of these, these um, ill effects. But I think the one thing that we agree on is that it sucks. Um, and, and so I think that really is a repudiation, even if the left won't call it, it's a repudiation of the sexual revolution, because uh, those those glitzy promises of sort of the, the life is life. Uh, sexual liberation is an endless party. Uh, I don't think anybody believes that now. Well, um, uh, we're talking to Inez Stepman of the Independent Women's Forum. Um, and also, uh, I, I'm one of them baby boomers. And I grew up in a neighborhood, and I point this out all the time. I think this is a, a, a big, big deal because I, I live still close enough to uh, the neighborhood where I grew up as a kid, uh, a young kid. Um, that I I go through it every once in a while, and it's still I still notice it. But I grew up in a neighborhood uh, in which about ninety five percent of the homes there had one garage. Uh, there were no two car garages, and th- these these houses were built in the fifties. So it wasn't like they're you know built before the car. They, these houses were built in the fifties, late fifties, early sixties. Everybody's mother stayed home. Um, so what would you have said about the state of womanhood back then? With all, with the, in the world of one-car garages, because the women, I didn't have a, I had one group, one, uh, two brothers that I knew, their mother worked, and that was the only mother that I knew who was not home. Um, so, so I think you're essentially pointing to the time period that brought out, for example, uh, you know, critics like Betty Friedan, uh, who said that it, it was, uh, I believe the phrase was a comfortable concentration camp, I mean, obviously mm-hmm. that, that is um, completely over, overblown, but um, there, there, there were these real critiques at the time. Um, but, but I also think that that, that period, um, if you talk about like through the 50s and then the early 1960s, really prior to some of the, the cultural upheaval of the late 1960s, uh, there was also a really unique time uh, in terms of, first of all, the enormous wealth that the United States was pumping out um, and the accessibility of the quote-unquote good life and, and you know, the, 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 the garage you're talking about, right, the house and the burbs, um, what we have as the idea of traditional nuclear family comes very much out of that era. Um, and, and the fact is that historically it was a bit of an anomaly because for most of human history, men and women both had to work. They had different jobs, but they both had to work um, and actually, it was a, a function of uh, enormous wealth uh, and privilege that Americans were then in the 1950s became so wealthy that, um, you know, a lot of women's so-called women's work, right, was no longer was either easier or no longer needed to be done. Right. You didn't, the, the, you know, um, the turning out of factory clothing, for example, liberating women from having to make clothes for their family, uh, things like the washing machine. Right. Um, yeah. The, the vacuum cleaner, all these things that make actually the upkeep of a home and what had previously been women's work. Um, and, and along with, with, this is a much older advancement, but, um, you know, community schooling versus uh, the standard being children schooled primarily in the home and then maybe in a, a community schoolhouse for part of the year. Um, so all of these things liberated a lot of time for women. And I do think that uh, there's a certain percentage of women who got extremely bored with that setup because um, they, they weren't, even what we think of today, um, it was kind of a status symbol to, to do less than we think of today as a stay at home mom, right? Because um, there was still this community element, your children, you could send them outside. 
um, most of the day uh, there, there was lower crime in the 1950s. Um, and, and so there were all these different um, sort of cultural structures around women uh, and, and families that uh, less, less women with, frankly, a lot of time on their hands, especially upper middle class women, right? Uh, and that's where a lot of the feminist critique grew out of. It didn't grow out of, you know, um, <laughs> working class women in the cities because a lot of times they were working. They would have loved to have the sort of leisurely life that then gave rise to the Betty Friedan critique uh, of, of the, the upper middle classes in America. Uh, so I do think it was a, a unique time, and I, I don't want to, like, sort of single it out. I think sometimes we don't look before as much as we don't look after. Uh, but I, I do think that the feminist critique of, of it, as as, a, as Betty Friedan said, as a, a comfortable concentration camp is, is ridiculous. And you see that in surveys. I mean, um, women's happiness has steadily declined in surveys, both absolutely and relative to the happiness of men um, since the 1970s. So clearly something in that time period uh, has not been working for women. And in fact, women are not only less happy than women were in terms of surveys um, back in the 1950s, uh, but they are less happy relative to men. Men are also less happy than they were, um, but, but women's happiness has declined more precipitously than men, and that gap has actually grown. So, um, you know, clearly something that we're doing is not working. <laughs> well, the other thing about, and the reason they call uh, my generation the baby boomer generation is, is that there were a lot of babies, and those women uh, who were staying home, they had three, four, and five kids. I had multiple friends who had multiple siblings. Uh, and so that, that was either your mother stayed home or she went out to work and you tried to find someone to take care of the kids. And th- those those women weren't available then either. There was no such thing as a daycare center. People people think day- daycare centers were around forever. Uh, I can remember talking to some guys. I was working in minor league baseball, and there was a, one of the players. Well, he, he and his wife had come up with the idea of a daycare center where you take care of other people's kids, and it was considered this revolutionary idea because everybody took care of their own kids. Right, and, and I, I think, um, you know, we, we've really set up a lot of, whether those systems are set up through the government or through the private market, we've really set up a lot of systems that are essentially an alternative to a more communitarian environment around the family. Uh, because, yes, people have more kids, but um, there was also a lot more support in terms of uh, I, uh, I'm not a mother, but, I, you know, I, I have some friends who are mothers. And, and it seems to me that uh, motherhood in, in 2021 or, or even in, let's say, 2019 pre-pandemic, uh, to just not to, to confuse the specific changes regarding coronavirus to, with, with uh, sort of longer cultural trends. Um, but, but motherhood in 2019 is a much more isolating experience than in 1953, um, mm-hmm. precisely because most women don't go, you know, they don't stay home and they're not home full time, at least. Um, there isn't the same uh, ability to, to get together with other adults, to share responsibilities within a neighborhood. Um, and and uh, I think that that makes motherhood more isolating for a lot of women and perhaps less attractive for, for a lot of women because, uh it's always good to have a, a balance of, of, you know, home life and having, um, you know, having community and, and having, um, for example, intellectual stimulation from other adults, right? Um, and and women, I think the thing that a lot of people don't think about is that women in the 1950s, by and large, did have that. They got together with other women who were at home. They not only shared, you know, childcare responsibilities between a neighborhood, but they also had adult company throughout the day. And, and, more than that, there was a lot more volunteering. So, um, you know, women basically, if you go to any small town or even even larger cities um, and you look up who dedicated the various statues in your city, who raised a statue to some, you know, a tri- tribute to local war heroes or, or whoever, almost always at the bottom of that plaque, it'll say, you know, this statue was made possible by the Women's Committee for blah, 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 blah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, so uh, it's not... I think today actually it's probably more common for a stay-at-home mother to be to have less interaction uh, with the community, uh, with a larger family, um, and, and with other mothers than it was in the 1950s. And I think that's in part why we think that uh, 
it's such an isolating experience and maybe maybe this is part of why women are more reluctant um, to to go ahead and, and have kids or, or um, you know, engage in that kind of more traditional life because they think of it as separating themselves from community and other adults when in reality in the 1950s, um, there, there was a lot of, of community of other adults around families and around the nuclear family that made that experience much less, um, I think, much less atomized than it is today. Uh, i got about a minute left. Inez Stepman of uh, the Independent Women's Forum. Today on Twitter you got into a discussion about millennials and baby boomers, and you tweeted this. It's critical for the nation's future that millennials be reminded that we are old and out of touch daily so as not to repeat the boomer phenomenon of thinking we're it all the way into the grave. Uh, as a boomer, should I be offended by that? I'm just wondering. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. Um, <laughs> right here in my I'm, I'm not, but I just... On the radio. I, pardon me? Um, I said it's right here in my tweets read back to me on the radio. Uh, it reminds <laughs> me that I, I'm not nearly as witty in, in real life as I am on Twitter. Um, no, but but I, I do think that uh, there is a certain um, sort of boomer culture uh, that grew out of the 1960s that, that really, uh, I think boomers have been, as a whole, exceptions noted, have, have been reluctant to sort of, quote unquote, grow up. And I think we're seeing the same thing with millennials, which isn't really surprising because y'all are our parents. Um, mm-hmm. but, but, uh, I, I, we're the two biggest generations, right? So you, you mentioned that we call it the baby boomers because there were a lot of you. Um, we are the largest generation. Millennials are the largest generation in American history, not because the boomers had as many kids as their parents did, uh, but just simply because of the, the math involved. Right. Um, and, and so, uh, in any case, we are now, we're millennials to be the largest generation probably in American history for the foreseeable future. Uh, because Zoomers are actually smaller, right? Because uh, Gen X are largely the parents of, of the Gen Z or Zoomers, uh, and they're smaller generations. They're kind of sandwiched in between the Boomers and the Millennials. Um, yeah. No. But yeah, you know, we see it. We see it in, in uh, our government, right? Like virtually every person in in any position of power in our government is not just um, is not just you know old enough to assume those responsibilities, but in, but it's in their seventies and even eighties. Right? Oh, I know. Right? I, I, Biden, Trump, all of them. Right, Inez. I'm I'm out of time. I, I guess my only question is, can't we all just get along? But but thanks for <laughs> thanks for being on the show. I really appreciate. it. Always happy to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, that's Inez Stepman, and you can find her stuff uh, at the Federalist. Sometimes she's with the Independent Women's Forum, and I'll be right back. Some home repairs just can't wait for spring, especially a leaky roof or drafty old windows. Well, you can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, windows, gutters, and downspouts, siding, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew, so don't put it off. Right now, Windows R Us offers 12 months no interest financing and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Get new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office. Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial, aluminum, wood, and composite. And to show their appreciation to stag fans everywhere, you'll also get 10% off your total project when you mention this show. Get 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and 10% off. Backed by the best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrspittsburgh.com. Wow. I think we can all agree that a lot went wrong in 2020. But you can start 2021 off right with a resolution to help protect your identity and personal info using LifeLock Identity Theft Protection. The sad truth is, one in five people have been a victim of identity theft. But LifeLock alerts you to potential threats to your identity. And they see more than you can when you just monitor your credit. Like your info for sale on the dark web. And if there's a problem, LifeLock's U.S.-based restoration specialists know the steps to take to help resolve your case. Of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But LifeLock is the New Year's resolution that helps you protect what you've worked so hard for. Get 25% off your first year with promo code SMART at LifeLock.com. That's promo code SMART 
for up to 25% off at lifelock.com. Parents, let's be honest. Many high school and college-age kids seem to have little direction these days. That might be true for your son or daughter. They spend a lot of time gaming, hanging with friends, but nothing seems to lead them on a path to adulthood. You may want them to go to a four-year university, but their grades just don't warrant it. Their lack of passion and direction makes you wonder if a four-year university would even be a wise investment. Here's a better route to consider. The full-stack software development program from Steve Wozniak, available through SalemCareerHub.com. They'll learn real-life work skills that are marketable and in high demand right now. And at SalemCareerHub.com, you can sign up for these courses at 50% off their regular price. Talk it over with your kids and get them out of the basement. They're probably as anxious as you are to move forward and just need a little push. The place to start? SalemCareerHub.com. You can also call 866-711-6275. 866-711-6275. Or SalemCareerHub.com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. So someone just sent me a list of the uh, Republicans who voted to impeach Trump. Uh, Anthony Gonzalez from Ohio, Peter Maher of Michigan, Fred Upton of Michigan, Liz Cheney of Wyoming. I never want to see her again. John Katko, New York, Adam Kinzinger of Illinois, Tom Price, South Carolina, Jamie Herrera of uh, uh, Herrera Butler of Washington, Dan Newhouse of Washington and David Valdalo. Of California, the only name really recognizable in that group is um, uh, Liz Cheney, and um, and uh, I hope that some and Adam Kinzinger he he's made a name for himself too. But um, I'm ho- hoping that uh, someone primaries Liz Cheney, and we never have to see her again in the Congress. Meanwhile, she's in leadership right now. That should end. But anyway, that's where we are. Impeachment number two. Can there be a third one? I don't know. It'd be nice to figure it out. Uh, I'd like to see it happen. Why not go for three? But uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks for listening today. See you later. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.